Welcome back to That Was The Worst Podcast Ever. We're back, baby, and we're better than ever. Jordan is here. I'm here with uh, my friend Jordan Clausen. He's a singer-songwriter. You can listen to his latest single, Nico. It's out now, and you can stream it on Spotify. Jordan, why are you still on Spotify? Why didn't you uh, pull your music? <laughs> I know. I'm just... Honestly, it was a really tough decision because, you know, because um, Joe Rogan is just, the, you know, the worst thing that's ever happened to the world. <laughs> Worse than Putin. <laughs> you missed out on some good publicity because it could have been uh, Neil Young. And Jordan Clausen pulled their music off of Spotify. Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, and just recently Jordan Clausen. It would be headlined. I know. You'd be mentioned with those big, big names, but you decided not to get that free publicity. So, yeah. I mean, man, we could go into it, but I personally think that stuff's pretty silly. But, you know. <laughs> but all that to say, listen to Jordan's newest song, Nico. It's, a, it's great, Jor. Yeah, thanks. And uh, I uh, I texted you and I said, oh, I should say my name is Justin. I'm a I'm Jordan's friend. I live in Calgary, and I'm a pastor. Okay, there we go. Um, but uh, I texted you and said, could you send me a private tutorial of how to play Nico on guitar? And you did it. Mm-hmm. That was just some real friendship right there. Real sweet friendship. Yeah, Nico's actually about you. I didn't know if I told you that. <laughs> Well, uh, I'll cut this out if we need to, but isn't it about a friend that goes down the conspiracy theory hole? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a lot of, I feel like a lot of people are there right now, you know, uh-huh. or have family members or friends. And so, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's inspired by a few people. Um, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to be too, too mean, but. Yeah, there's one guy who's kind of an acquaintance, and he's a flat earther. Um, oh yeah, like a like he's not trolling. Like he really believes it. Yeah, yeah, he's he's. I, I don't know him that well, but he, he's a friend of a lot of my friends, and um, they were kind of like, "Oh my gosh, like how do you get to this place?" You know, just yeah. wild and and kind of like um, unapologetic about it. You know, like just kind of like you got like. Do the research, man, and you'll see too. Um, <laughs> and it just—I don't know. It's so—it—it's a bizarre time in history because we have more information available to us than ever. And so you'd think that people would be getting more, more, uh, getting smarter, right? But it actually isn't doing that at all. It's kind of doing no. the opposite thing. Um, and that's not to just say, you know. Of uh, you know right wing conspiracy theories, it's like it's on, it's everywhere. You know, it's on yeah. all sides of the aisle, and yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, and 
We're living in a tough time, Jor. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why we had a long break is Jordan and I have a lot going on in our lives and you know, there's a it's been tough. So we took a, a little short break, but we're back because we were getting two, three, four emails asking us to Total. come back. <laughs> and we just we had and I just thought now more than ever, we need to give people a reprieve. We need to create a respite. We need to just create this soft landing pad where we can talk about Sufjan Stevens and we can put the worries of life on the back burner for for a moment. And so, I don't know, Jared, this is pretty important. We're doing this for the people. What do we need right now, Just? Sincerely. <clears throat> well, you know what we need, Jor, is we need to uh, we need to end war. Yeah. We need to come together. There's too much division. Yeah. We need to love our neighbors as ourselves. Mm. And we got to create good art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you add? <laughs> well, I I liked that video you sent me yesterday. It's this. Oh, it's yeah. like this. <laughs> She's getting mom. really roasted right really? now. Really? Yeah, like it's being covered by news outlets. Oh yeah. It, so it, I sent Jordan. You've, yeah. You guys have probably it's probably been played out by now, <clears throat> but it was an actress that appeared on the reboot of Nine Hundred Two and Zero, and she basically just said, "If only I was Putin's mom." And it was kind of like a spoken word piece of like, I would have just nurtured you and then this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. What did you think about that, Jordan? When I watched it, I just thought, Jordan has to see this like right away. Yeah. I showed Olivia and she couldn't watch more than five seconds of it. <laughs> yeah. And we, we, of course, are being tongue in cheek because there is this thing with celebrities, which is like, people need us right now. Yeah. It's, it's such a bizarre, yeah, it, it's a really, I think the, the cringy thing about it is that it's just such a simplistic way of viewing the world. It's like, it, it was, it's so simplistic. <laughs> it's so hilarious. And it also, I can't help but feel like it's very self-centered. Yeah. It's like, if only I was his mom, none of this would be going on. Yeah. It's like, kind of like with Hitler, it's like, if I was Hitler's mom, then there would have been no Holocaust. Right. <laughs> I would have and it saved take millions into of lives. Any other details. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like poverty or like, or <laughs> I don't know, a lot of the other global issues. It's like, no. But um, today I watched this guy on Twitter put one up and said, dear Mr. President Vladimir Putin, and just said, if only I was your uncle. <laughs> and then he said... Your mom would drop me off at, at my house, and I would put on Terminator 2, and you would be far too young, and it would scar you for life. <laughs> and he just mentioned, like, all things that uncles do. He's like, I would go to your basketball game, but I would be totally drunk. <laughs> and it just made me laugh. But, yeah, there is something going on right now, and we're making fun of it, but it's just this idea of, like, it's the celebrities that have the answer or yeah, whatever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in all honesty, I'm happy to be back recording. Yeah. It is nice to not talk about, you know, the fact that there is really horrible things going on in the world, even in our own country. And we'll just mention it. You know, Canada's made global news this month because of 
the Freedom Convoy. Jor, I know that you uh, were part of it at the Coots border. <laughs> you were playing songs for the protesters, yeah. giving them entertainment. Yeah. Freedom from tyranny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of... The one thing I will say that is is interesting is right coming out of our freedom convoy we're actually watching actual tyranny and actual protesting tyranny yeah and the timing is just striking like and the contrast is striking. yeah yeah so uh hopefully in canada people will just kind of be like huh okay i guess it's not as bad as actual tyranny yeah yeah i mean yeah you know <clears throat> this is this is also a i'm i'm someone who's <clears throat> contra um, a contrarian moderate, and I, <clears throat> I find some of the progressive dialogue around this stuff or the progressive narrative is a little bit silly. It's like, uh, you know, the, people can protest, and um, the right to protest comes before whatever the cause is. You know, you can't right. you can't write off the right to protest because you don't like the cause, um, right? And so, yeah, I but. At the same time, the cause is a little silly. Yeah. And Jordan, this is good because uh, protests is the voice of the unheard. That's yeah. what yeah. Dr. King said. Yeah. And, I, you know, my wife and I did go to some Black Lives Matter protests in our city and things like that. And even, even when there are riots, I sometimes would say like, well, rioting is like the last the last uh, effort of the unheard. And so when these protests were happening, I thought, well, I have to be consistent. And so I go, okay, so if this is the language of the unheard, what do they want us to hear? And then I, so I heard it and then I was just like, oh, okay, I hear you. I just think it's kind of dumb. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so there, I gave him a fair shot. I listened. It's just like, of all things, I don't, I just, I don't see why this, yeah, anyway. But, yeah. hey, if anything, our podcast is controversial, so we're getting, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry but, if you're a, if you're a fr uh, true patriot um, and you're offended by this listening. Um, it, you know, I, I, will, I will say I do think in Canada that some of the mandates are maybe a little short-sighted um, and maybe too driven by COVID data and not, driven enough by kind of just the cultural and human factor data you know of mm -hmm. like what are what are the consequences of lockdowns and that stuff i uh i think that all needs to be part of the the conversation um however you're not oppressed y yeah you know? and maybe don't block all the borders yeah like i don't like yeah yeah i mean there's the there are the Uyghurs in China right now are being systematically rounded up and brought to concentration camps and being forcibly sterilized. Like, you know, that is oppression. <laughs> I don't see any yeah. convoy driving to Ottawa being like, free the Uyghurs, you know, impose sanctions yeah. on China. It's more, it's kind of like, I want to go to a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I miss going to Montana's. <laughs> In yeah. Canada, there's this restaurant called Montana's, and it's, I don't know, it's like a American barbecue-themed restaurant. It's horrible. Yeah. It's like, I want to take my family to Montana's. Yeah. 
Well, I know maybe we're making a straw man. I know there are some people really deeply affected by it. But yeah, I think you're right. When you compare to what's happening in the world, I just think, you know what? This is a global pandemic. This generation of leaders has never gone through anything like this before. Yeah. We got to, there are going to be mistakes made for sure. Mm -hmm. But I just can't get on board that there's this secret ploy to just ruin everybody's lives for no reason that's exactly yeah that's exactly it it's like everybody is doing their best and and you might disagree with what their best is and i do yeah like bc is really like we we have our passport vaccine passports till june which is pretty crazy you know when yeah. the rest of the world is opening up and um but at the same time what do i know i'm just one dude i think that's one of the problems too with nowadays it's just like it's focused this individualism to this point where like people actually think that their opinion matters <laughs> you know <laughs> it's true it's like <laughs> and i i do it too it's like i have to say something on my social media yeah it's like i have to stand up for what's right and then it's just kind of like, yeah, okay, that's good. But like also, why am I so self-important? Yeah. It's like it's like I'm I don't know. I mean, I am a pastor of a church, so there is some influence over my congregation. I take that seriously. But it's the idea of just kind of like my voice yeah. matters yeah. and I have to chime in and I have to yeah. influence and Yeah, I put, I made this silly Instagram post where I was like, "Hey, does anybody have any opinions about the convoy i haven't heard enough of them already and i got some angry messages people being oh, like oh no yeah people being like because you know vancouver is super progressive and my circles here are very progressive and so people are like oh sorry are we wasting your time like there are actual people who this is affecting and stuff it's like oh you think your post is gonna <laughs> do something wow <laughs> When I saw that Instagram, not only did you say, does anybody have any opinions on the convoy? Wasn't it you in a filter with like, it was like a geisha or something? Yeah, something or like Marie Antoinette or something. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was, Marie Antoinette. Jor, it's, your, your Instagram is laugh out loud riot sometimes. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and uh, I love it. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I, I think that. I, yeah, my, my view is to just never do it. Well, sometimes I do self-important stuff. Sometimes I like repost stuff, but here's, here's my other theory is that most of the things that people post on their social media is just a passive aggressive jab at their family. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. Like on my Facebook this week, uh, there's a dear woman in, in our church who's been posting some pretty bonkers stuff. And so it's true. Passive aggressively, I just want to post the opposite hoping and hoping she'll see it. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's just not a healthy way to keep relationships no. or even to change people's minds. No, yeah. If I really cared, I'd probably sit down with her and just be like, it, well, when I think of your song, Nico, I actually sometimes I think of her and I, I kind of just go, hmm. Yeah. You know? Don't go down but, this dark road. Yeah, don't go down that dark road. But uh, you know when somebody posts something on Facebook and it's always like truth Christian news from Israel.net? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, stop reading those kind of articles. Yeah, CanadianHeritage.org or something. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's the thing that too. Like it's like just because an article exists doesn't mean it has any credibility. Like I I could post I could f- make anything into an article. Yeah. And then <laughs> post it, you know, like and it doesn't We could buy a domain like um Canadian Truth for Freedom dot net. Yeah. And we could just publish whatever we want on it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jor, it's a it's a sad time. Yeah. <laughs> like, is it okay to say like when I was born, I wasn't expecting to live in in like the darkest time in the past like what would you say, like thirty years? Forty years? Yeah. I'm, I'm... Who knows, man? I this, I don't know. This Who is knows? actually because let's be honest. Our grandparents were in World War II. It was a freaking nightmare. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like you know, like my grandpa had during World War II. Like they set it up so they would shutter all their windows because they didn't know if Japan was going to come over and start bombing the West Coast. Like yeah, that's pretty intense. And the whole world was at war. And then in the seventies, like terrorism was insane. Like there was yeah. so much terrorism. I don't know. I. And nine eleven, can you like? I remember people were saying that too. So, th- that being said, I do think the we are seeing the uh, the huge consequences of the internet right now. At like, yeah, like I do think that you know it's it's kind of like smoking. I've heard this analogy before. It's like you know in the fifties, everyone was like smoking. Uh, maybe it's a little bad for you, but huh, it's fun. And then as things went on, they were kind of like, whoa, this is really bad for you. And I feel like we're kind of in that time where we're starting to see the unfolding of, or the neg- the shadow side of the internet coming out. Yes. Yeah. Like sometimes Courtney will show me a reel on Instagram. Yeah. And it's like some mom and it's just really bad comedy. Yeah. And my first thought is like, we should just turn the internet off for like a week yeah like can you imagine like okay so let's say it's 1999 and things are just i mean i don't the internet was already around for a while then but let's say there was this big switch that you could go back in time and flip and just be like delete the internet would you do it <sighs> I, that's tough jar because i mean we're recording this podcast over the internet it's true it's afforded us a lot of great things i know but it's, it's just people aren't happier though if it were up to me i would like turn off um social media like on sundays and i would give the world like a day rest yeah you know and you know a sabbath rest you know i'm yeah. a pastor and i go let's all just take a break because I, I forget when it was a couple months ago instagram and facebook went down for like an afternoon yeah and I just, I just felt like it was a great break. Yeah. And you didn't feel like you were missing anything because everybody else was off of yeah. it. Yeah. Wow. Oh, Jor, not to change the subject, but I, I haven't talked to you in a while, and I just wanted to know, <laughs> did you watch the Super Bowl halftime show? And if so, what did you think? Yeah, I did watch it, and I thought it was awesome. I, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. It was, you know, I loved it because it was, um, it just represented that era really well. I remember that era. I wasn't really into 
that music when I was that age, but it was just so nostalgic. And then, yeah, it was like, I found that I was off, off my seat. I was in the air and then I go, are they going to do California love? And then they did California love. And when Dr. Dre says, throw up a finger, if you say that, if you feel the same way, I put up two middle fingers in front of my kids. Wow. I was lost in it. Did they cry? And my kids were like disturbed. Yeah. My favorite part is when Chubby 50 Cent came down upside down. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) Why was he upside down? I don't know. That was an interesting choice. Yeah. And I wonder if if he was like that for like 20 minutes waiting for it to start. (laughs) Yeah. I would love if it it goes to him and he's passed out already. (laughs) He like slowly comes down. He's just, his arms are dangling. (laughs) His arms are dangling. He's passed out. And it's just the backing track. That would have been very funny. Yeah. But I loved it. But my wife goes and drops our kids off at an elementary school. And a lot of the parents were talking about this write-up that somebody did that was like, millennials deserved this. We've had, we're the best generation and we've had such a hard time and finally we got something for us. And I was just kind of like, gross, like, shut up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, we finally, finally something for the millennials. Yeah. As if the world doesn't revolve around us right now. I know. (laughs) But yeah, you know what's interesting? I, I think about Gen Z a lot. Uh, yeah, I I wonder like what, because you know, uh, I've read this theory that like generations alternate between passive and aggressive, and that millennial is a pa- or is, a, is an aggressive generation, yeah. and that Gen yeah. Z is more of a passive generation. Uh, I mean, who knows? But I can I can kind of see that playing out. You know, like it seems like uh, there's this almost like. Yeah, quietness about <laughs> Gen Z's. I, I just wonder if it's there's going to be as much rage in the next 20 years, you know? Yeah, and it's interesting because we did have somebody write into our podcast and their comment was, it seems like millennials get like mad. And then they said Gen Z just kind of makes memes about it. Yeah. And they like laugh instead yeah. of like raging. They're just more like, I made a meme and we're laughing about it. Yeah, totally. So they kind of like, they make fun of people and and millennials more just like get mad. Yeah, you know, it's like kind of like Billie Eilish. Like she is, I think, a good example of Gen Z. She's she's like, she kind of doesn't care about anything, yeah. but she's really passionate about what she does. And that's what I've, I've also read is that Gen Z is like really actually studious and productive um and but also probably going to have the most mental health issues of uh not not that i, I mean not that i think billy eilish has <laughs> mental health issues but yeah that that that's kind of what they're seeing emerge is that there's going to be a lot of um a lot of like achievers but a lot of mental health issues too which is interesting oh yeah i you know i'm really enjoying gen z these days yeah they're wearing those dangly earring cross earrings. Yeah, my my studio partner here, he's got um I mean, he's in his 20s though, but he has these dangly earrings and one says 
pee pee and one says poo poo. That that is so Gen Z. I can't even. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, what else do they do? Well, I, uh, so I our youth pastor and our children's pastor are Gen Z. And I mentioned Tom Green the other day because I think there was something reminded me of the Bum Bum song. Mm-hmm. And I said Tom Green, and they had no idea who I was talking about. Yeah. And then I said Tom Green was like the precursor to Jackass. And then they said, we barely know what jackass is. Yeah. And I couldn't believe it. We're yeah. in Canada. Tom Green is like the most famous Canadian. <laughs> yeah. Um, Olivia worked with some Gen Zs a few years ago, and she said they were having this conversation. It was like, what is the defining cultural moment of your generation? And these Gen Zs, both of them agreed that it was, um, I think, I think it was Kim Kardashian losing her earrings in the, like there was an episode of Keeping Up with the Kardashians where she loses her earrings when she goes into the ocean. And they were- They didn't say COVID, the global pandemic. Well, this is actually pre-COVID. So maybe that, but I was like shocked. Yeah. What do you think, what do you think is the defining cultural? So aside from like um, sociopolitical, what is the defining cultural moment of millennials? Oh, so not sociopolitical. So not 9-11, not yeah. the market crash. But like, like you that. know, like it might be, say, for in, in the in the 70s, it might be like John Lennon and Yoko Ono's bed in or, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Or, or maybe somebody important or John Lennon being shot, you know, th- those kinds of things like those yeah. the, the define culture. Yeah, I think for millennials, it was probably like... TRL, Total Request Live, with Carson Daly. That was really important to us. Yeah, yeah, that's It was true. like how how we gauged like what was popular and cool. Yeah. For, for Gen X, it was for sure when Kurt Cobain shot himself. <laughs> yeah, what do you think of Gen X? Yeah, Gen X is interesting. I think, again, it, it would be a passive generation. I think that's kind of true. It is kind of true. An and Sufjan is Gen X. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I love Gen X. I think they're great. I, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I noticed that there's a. Uh, I don't know actually. What should I say? I think Gen X. When I think of Gen X, I think of kind of like a lot of the adults I grew up with that were like really. I grew up in like charismatic Christianity. And then they've a lot of them have slowly drifted into like hard right wingism. Oh, really? Yeah, as as time has gone on. Oh, yeah. see, a lot of my Gen X friends aren't. Oh, Gen X. See, to a millennial, like my mom used to lead the college and career group at our church, and it was all these Gen Xers. Yeah, and they would just come over and break all of my pool toys. Yeah. Just massacre them. I hated them. Yeah. So that was kind of my impression of Gen X for a while. But now they're just kind of like, they're kind of cool. Like, they listen to, like, new wave music or, you know, like, there's something kind of chilled out and cool about them. Huh. But hold on. But let's go back. What do you think is our defining moment? So, like, Gen Xers had Kurt Cobain. Yeah. Like, what? What was ours? 
Aaliyah dying in the plane crash? <laughs> it doesn't have, I mean, it doesn't have to be a celebrity death. It could also be like a, some kind of cultural phenomena. phenomena. I think it was Woodstock 99. <laughs> <laughs> Firefest. Yeah. Um, no. Um, oh, man. Let me think about that. So the early 2000s, like what? what was it? I think... Oh, do you know what it's got to be? When Justin Timberlake exposed Janet Jackson's breast at the Super Bowl halftime. Oh show. my gosh. <laughs> I was in a missionary school watching the Super Bowl next to a speaker that was speaking on the fear of the Lord. And then Justin Timberlake exposes a breast to all of us. And I had to sit there next to that guy who was talking about the fear of the Lord, who was talking about not looking at breasts. Yeah. There I am looking at one yeah. right next to him. Yeah. Was he looking That too? was a huge moment. Or was he afraid? Yeah, I don't know. That he was guy like, was no. <laughs> that guy he, <laughs> he stabbed the projector with a kitchen knife. <laughs> I'm afraid of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he was pretty sexually repressed, as we all were. Yeah. Abreast. Yeah. That was pretty intense. And then do you remember the next year the Super Bowl was just kind of like we better just have you two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or was that who did it? It was something so lame. Yeah. You two. Yeah. They were always kind of the safe bet. Everybody likes you two at the time. Yeah. I think that's a very Gen X thing also to just be like, you two's the best. Band. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You two is an interesting band. Like, what a complex. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm. This might piss people off even more than the convoy talk, but I think U2 is is an interesting band because they've put out a lot of really, really terrible music. Like they have made terrible, like complete shit. Yeah, like it's so bad. And yet, you have to credit this band for like first coming out with this really original sound in the '80s. Yeah, recreating themselves in the '90s. Yeah. Successfully. And then recreating themselves again in the early 2000s really successfully. Like yeah. not a lot of bands have had kind of two rebirths like that. I, 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 like, I can't think of very many at all. Like really successful ones where they're like hitting like the mainstream every time. Yeah. Um, and so to their credit, that is a great feat. Um, but I, I would just say, you know, Bono, ha I read this thing where Bono said, if we ever release another terrible record again, we're quitting. And I'm like, Bono, you haven't stayed true to that. Yeah, you would have quit like a while ago. Yeah. When you, like, the other thing I ask my Gen Z pastors that I work with, I go, what was it like when you two forced their album on you? The, Gen Z hates that day that you two made them have the album. Yeah. They like really hate it. Yeah. Maybe I, that that's might their be defining. their moment. Yeah. <laughs> of like, Oh, like some of them didn't even know who they were. Like, why do I have this? Yeah. That was quite a faux pas making everybody have it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know. It, uh, I was kind of just like, it was like two taps of my thumb to just remove that album. Like, why is that such a big deal? I don't know. I guess it's just the, you know, I, I it's actually interesting, you know, like people's phones are their hearts now almost. It's like, how do dare you put this just subject my heart to this thing just yeah. chuck it in there or like the best is my mother-in-law doesn't have any music on her phone but she has that one album <laughs> it's just there 
wasn't a very uh, good album. But you know what? Either. Sunday Bloody Sunday is a phenomenal song. Yeah. They do have moments where you're like, wow. Lots of that stuff was great. I, I think lots of stuff on All That You Can't Leave Behind was great. I yeah, think I think a beautiful day was a great day. Was a that was that was my age. I was like, yeah. this man's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, Jor, this reminds me of a memory. One time I was playing drums and you were leading music at a church, mm-hmm. and we were doing "Open the Eyes of mm-hmm. My Heart, Lord." Oh yeah, and I did it to um, all, uh, "Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For." I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Now, Jor, I took that to my church. And we do that to this very day. Really? We still do open the eyes of my heart, but in the style of, and I still haven't found what I'm looking And I actually think it'd be cool if you went, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. And then just go, because I still haven't found. Like, isn't that kind of cool? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, because I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Yeah. Wow. Like, you were doing some innovative stuff in yeah. 2008. Do you know what? I have this memory of like, cause I had, I had like, everybody had like a YouTube best of 1990 or 1990 to 2000. I think it was yeah. the one with the bison on the front. Yes. And, uh, I remember we, like, I, I loved that CD. I played it so many times and I remember yeah. playing it in the van with my mom and my mom went, this is the saddest song they've ever written. And, <laughs> and I was like, why mom? And she's like, because they did find what they were looking for. They found Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and she, she, she listens to this podcast and she's probably going to get mad at me. She, but I It's just funny because she's that not she that way that. anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I, our parents just took every opportunity they could to just teach us about Jesus. Like any moment. Yeah. Just like, this is so sad because they have Jesus. Yeah. Or I had a memory the other day. Oh, yes. I was watching Star Wars with my kids. I remember my mom made me feel so weird about Star Wars because of the force. Yeah. She like was like, this is witchcraft. Yeah. So like, I, I still feel weird about Star Wars. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's just like repressed down there somewhere. It's interesting though, because, you know, Star Wars, uh, yeah, if, if, if you actually look at the history of say religion in general like it's a really weird kind of like late 20th century evangelical thing to be like oh there's there's some kind of magic and then kind of paralleling it to your faith you know as if like they're as if they're in competition yeah you know it's like especially with something like star wars which is like a fantasy world yeah uh, it's it's not it's not it's not like you know actually pitting Christianity against anything. It, it's just, it, it's like the the ancient world was just really into uh, into story. And, and yeah. story didn't mean, you know, if there was like some magic in a story, it didn't mean that like it was literally like you apply it to your life. It, 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 it symbolizes something. It says something about reality. It doesn't, it doesn't, you know, and, but how come, how come our parents, I'll just say my parents, how come they didn't have the capacity for like any nuance? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's what they, that's what they had, you know, that's what they were brought up with. 
As, but, yeah. And I guess yeah. I feel like, what was my mom afraid of? I'm like, I'm not a Christian anymore. I'm a Jedi. And then I'm like moving <laughs> stuff around the house, like with my mind. Like, what was she afraid of? She was like, truly I was gonna afraid you were going to convert to a Jedi. <laughs> mom, I converted. And I'm like, <laughs> just like... It's up to me to uh, take down the emperor from the Galactic Senate. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, you know, Harry Potter is like, do you think that we're really going to be wizards? Bro, my church didn't even like pogs. It yeah. was intense. Yeah, it's because of gambling. Because it was like gambling. That's right. We've talked about that before. Yeah. Well, George, should we get into Sufjan? Big surprise. We're skipping right to a beginner's mind. We wanted to surprise you all. Yeah. So when we come back, Jordan and I are going to discuss Sufjan Stevens and Angelo De Augustine's 2021 released A Beginner's Mind. Stay with us. We'll be right back. That was good, Jordan. Yeah. Man, we are right back in the saddle. Mm-hmm. I have a memory of a time place where history resigned now my apology or the light came into form and in my mind reach out reach out to all the ones who came before you ponder what is right you and I And welcome back to That Was The Worst Podcast Ever. This is Jordan, joined by my pal Justin. Um, We're talking about A Beginner's Mind. Um, A little uh, caveat. I I mean, I don't want to say too much, but I've had some pretty intense mental health struggles in the last uh, six months. So I have not been listening to a lot of music. Um, I don't know... I, I I know that I, um, uh, in the ether, love this music. I I know I love this record, um, but I haven't listened to it that much yet, so I don't know it that well. Um, so, yeah, just so you know, Justin will be taking the lead. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and to our listeners, thanks for sharing that, Jordan. And we love you, and we're with you. Um, and nobody's going to pick on Jordan for not listening to this too much. Okay, everybody out there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the reason why we're skipping our order is just simply because I just wanted to have fun this episode. We were supposed to talk about that piano record. With, um, Nico, with Nico but, Andre or whatever? What is it called? Isn't the guy Nico named Nico Andre or something? Yeah. Or Timo Andre. Sufjan plays piano for a while and... I just would rather talk about this. So yeah. we're going to talk about this. But we'll go back to what we, we are committed to covering every Sufjan record. Um, here's, the, here's another question before we get going. Um, this is going to come to an end one day. Like we have a limited capacity of material. Um, and Justin and I for a long time have been discussing where should we go after this? What, what should the podcast be about? Should we just f- still focus on Sufjan? I mean, how, much, how many hours of Sufjan talk can you do? Um, we've we've come up with a few concepts, but if you have any ideas, please write us at twtwpe at gmail.com. Yeah, give us some ideas. Because obviously we don't want to pivot so hard we lose all of our Sufjan fans. Yeah, exactly. But so. we also 
would love to uh, explore something new. Yeah. Which is what Sufjan and Angelo de Augustine decided to do with this record. Yeah. So a little little bit of background is uh, they recorded this in a cabin where in the they woods? were watching movies every day. Oh, yeah. Horror movies. Not all. Some horror movies. Oh, okay. But so they created this album where basically they would just write songs together based on what I assume were movies they were watching. And to me, this is like so Gen X, the movies, some of the movies they picked. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Sufjan's like such a Gen X. Yeah. And Angelo de Augustine, who were you familiar with his work before this album came out? Uh, no, but I have listened to some of him, his solo stuff since, and I really love it. Yeah, he's really good. And same for me, I wasn't really aware of him. And kind of unfairly, everybody talks about this Sufjan record, and sometimes he gets left out of the conversation, but he's equally as prominent and even maybe even more so than Sufjan on this record. Yeah. But no, I'm not complaining. He's great. Yeah. And his album cover is what I assume is a picture of him as a little boy with like a snake on his shoulder. Mm -hmm. And I am emphatic that every singer-songwriter should just pull out old photos of themselves as children. And it helps if you look a little melancholy. But if that's your album cover, I'm listening. Really? See, that, that you're just showing how chuggy you are right now, I think. I like it. I like seeing Angelo D'Agostino with a snake on his shoulder. He's a little melancholy. That little is kid. such a trend, and it's, <laughs> and I feel like it's a little bit of like a 2017 trend. Yeah, you know who honest. else did it? Was uh, Big Thief? Big Thief. Um, it's a picture of like her uncle holding her. Yeah, they did a it's bunch. It's great. I like that. They, you know, how, there are so many like this. Uh, what? Who is that? Oh man. Um, um, Even Freevy Bridges Ethan did it. Griska? She drew a ghost over yeah. herself. Ethan yeah. Griska did one. It's like him holding a trophy when he's a little kid. Uh, I'm saying, if I am the polar opposite of you, if you release a record <laughs> with a, with a, like a photo album picture of you as a kid, I am not listening to it. It's. Are you just bitter that you missed the train? Like you didn't get in on it in time? No, no. I just think it's like. In some ways, it's just so easy, you know, like, it, and because it was so cool for like a s certain amount of time, it's like, yeah, everybody's got kind of cool looking photo of them as a kid. You're not, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you, you know what I like about it? It's hmm. kind of like, it's a little bit of like, hey, guess what? I was pretty sad back then too. <laughs> yeah. I was a sad kid. Look at this. And it's also this kind of thing. It's like, I don't really care. Like, I don't care about what my cover is. Like, I'll just slap this on, which is cool in a way. You know, my uh, Andy Schaaf did a single cover, I think, that was just like a, literally like a screenshot of a notepad, like notepad on Mac with like the title. Oh, yeah. And that was it. That's cool. That's like really system of a down of him. Yeah. The, so, so that, but I, I kind of, I, I hope that it moves away from that. Like, because it's like, oh yeah, you don't care. And that's, that's cool. But also eventually you're like, but art actually should kind of cost you something too. You know, I think be a trendsetter, Jor, 
do this before anybody else. Your next album cover is your bare ass. <laughs> what in the world? What's become of you in the last six months? <laughs> no, don't you just think that would get some attention? Yeah, it would, I guess. My hairy ass. <laughs> do you have... Okay, this is getting really a little bit gross, but do you ever meet people who have... There's kind of just like a darkness in their crack... And you're like, why is that darkness there? And it, it, like, I'm like, if I had that darkness, I would never show my butt because it kind of looks like you just haven't wiped well. But it's not. It's just like skin coloration. What's the context of this? Like somebody crack coming out of their pants or you're just seeing a you lot of just butts? somebody moons you and you're like, why is their crack so the skin in their crack so dark? <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever notice that? Maybe that's just me. I don't and have that. Like, I don't have that, but I'm just saying I've seen some. Like, man, if I had that, I wouldn't be mooning people. Yeah. I haven't seen that many butts, if I'm honest. Oh, really? You went to YWAM. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a good mix of butts. Yeah, I don't know how to comment on this joke. <laughs> I still remember this shocking moment in, like, grade two where this other kid mooned us and I just saw his nutsack hanging between his legs. Oh, I hated that. <laughs> One time my friend, when I was eight, my friend mooned me and I saw poo in his butt. Yeah. <laughs> and that really scarred me. Yeah. It was like sick. Yeah. Kid. Okay, I agree. <laughs> that was disgusting. <laughs> but it's true, Jor. He was at my house, he mooned me and there was poo in his butt. Yeah. Um, okay, anyway, getting back to this album. Now... When Sufjan and Angelo de Agustin, they were releasing some tracks, little teasers. Yeah. And it was coming out when I was in Vancouver with you. And I remember listening to Back to Oz and I was really, really into it. Yeah. I, I was like, this yeah. is really good. Yeah. And I was, I was so excited. I was almost like, this is the Sufjan album I've been waiting for. Mm -hmm. This is the one I've wanted. Mm -hmm. Age of Odds, I like. It's fine. You know, uh, the Ascension guys didn't like it. Okay. This one, I really got on board quick. Yeah. I thought back to Oz, that ding, 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 like it, just that cool electric guitar and yeah. it had that guitar solo in it. Yeah. I was like, this is great. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, you're, I mean, you're not the, it's not a wild surprise. No, it's so predictable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same with me. It's like, I heard that single. I was like, okay, I'm going to like this, you know. If Sufjan isn't, like, messing around with, like, plugins, then I like it. Yeah, and this is something I wanted to ask you, is, is it because Sufjan takes a little bit of the load off by making it a duet album... So he's not completely creatively in control or, or responsible. And the theme is light. It's like just writing songs on movies that they're watching. It almost created this perfect storm of like fun, creative, really good songs. I don't know what to say. And I don't know if Sufjan does better with these kind of concept album things like that perfect constraint around him or whatever but at least in my opinion this album Sufjan gets back to what I really love about him yeah 
Uh, I what agree. do you think? Yeah. Does he need like does he need like a, a gimmick or something? Because no. the Ascension didn't really have a gimmick. It was just him not wanting to be folk and wanting more computers and stuff. Yeah. Can I also just comment? I love the way Americans say folk. Folk? They say folk. What do you say? Folk. Folk? Yeah. There's an L in there, bro. Yeah, it's silent. Folk. No, it's not folk. So if you'd be like, hey, folks. Yeah. Hey, folks. Really? Yeah. See, yeah. I say folks. Maybe I'm hey. totally wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure that folk is the right way to say it. How do you say R-U-I-N-E-D? Ruined. Okay. It's just my wife then. My wife says ruined. 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 Like R-U-N-E-D. Yeah. Like, like R-O-O-N-E-D. Ruined. Like like the runes in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Writing. And I'm like, it's ruined. <laughs> yeah. There's an I. It is ruined. It's hilarious. Courtney. But it, anyway, wow, do we digress. Yeah. But, Jor, do you think that, that, does Sufjan need a gimmick to get him out of his head? That's what I think. I just think he, he's like a, he's the kind of artist that likes to play. And that's great. I wouldn't want him to just put all, all folk records. I guess I just like, don't happen to like, um, some of the experiment. The I don't it, not that the ascension was super experimental, but I just and not that it was like that bad. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I yeah. There's just like I don't this like Americana, listening to it. I don't return to it. Yeah, Sufjan just does Americana really well, or this feeling of Americana, you know, like driving through Northern California on a road trip or something. That kind of music. Yeah, it's not. It's like I, I don't want to hear the like. <laughs> sounds all the time <laughs> well it's funny you mentioned that because i really love this album because i was going hiking this past summer and uh i had it downloaded on my phone and i would just hike in the mountains and listen to it and it was just a perfect soundtrack for that so i have like these memories of the mountains and being alone and and listening to it and and really enjoying it and enjoying Angelo de Augustine's voice and how they kind of take turns like being featured the most on a song and sometimes you have to listen closely to to hear Sufjan doing harmonies on on a song because it's really it's really just Angelo doing his thing and then Mm -hmm. they switch but it sounds like a Sufjan record for sure um why don't why don't we take a listen to uh Back to Oz because I'm pretty sure that was the first song I heard Let's listen. All my life was calling. So I tried to learn this on guitar and I got the tabs and they just gave you the chords. Sounds like garbage when I play it. Yeah, it's because you got to play with feel, dog. Say again? Gotta play with feel, dog. No, because tabs don't show you how to do that. Yeah, but you gotta, yeah. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, gotta learn how to just make love, you know? (laughs) To the 
guitar. I really love this song, Gerard, and I still do. Yeah. I just think it's so good and a little funky and yeah. Oh, it's just awesome. This is top tier. It is. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. What do you think of the album okay. cover? Oh yeah, we should talk about the album cover. What do you think now, about those nips? Yeah, prominent nips. Yeah. Uh, which um, <laughs> I bought this on vinyl, and my kids were like, "What is that?" <laughs> uh, now I've I have yet to confirm this anywhere else, but I I heard some hearsay that they actually hired an African artist. Oh. That um, does these really like really elaborate kind of airbrushed paintings. Yeah. And we were just talking about album covers. This album cover, I think, is awesome. Yeah. I love the art direction of it. I love the feel of it. It's really cool. Right. Yeah. What it, what, what do you think, Jor? I, I think it's cool. I, I, I think I like how it's kind of off-putting. I'm not a huge fan of the font, but, I mean, other than that, it's really good. You don't like the font? Not really. I like it. It it seems like the artist just hand did it. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, you could be right. Uh, yeah, actually, you could be right. It's cool. It's cool. Never mind. Jordan, sh- what do you think of the idea of this album being based on movies? It, that's kind of like, like if in the wrong hands, it could be really corny, but... With Sufjan and Angelo, it's it's like fun. Mm-hmm. It's funny at times. Yeah. And uh, but it's not always funny. Like there's some sincere moments. But yeah, what do you think of the idea of? And the movies they chose are bonkers. Yeah. It's really eclectic in what they chose. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's here's the thing, right? It's like you can only write about your own life so much because mm-hmm. most people. Here's the sad reality. Life is really boring a lot of the time. And so I, lo- I think that r- artists choose themes because they're looking for something, some more to aim their arrow, you know, that isn't just yeah. like, I'm sad um, or I'm happy. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I sometimes wonder, th- this is what I think is like, probably what it was is like, they were like, we want to write a record together. And then they were like, well, what should we write about? It's that. Th- a really great thing to do is choose a theme because then you have a direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and then probably it was like their publicist that was like, what's the story behind these songs? You know, like mm-hmm. I, I don't like for this kind of record, I don't think it's like necessarily like vital information that they were writing them about music. I mean, writing them about movies. Uh huh. It's just kind of like I, an interesting side. I think I would, equally enjoy it if i didn't know that fact yeah yeah but there are some moments that make me laugh when angelo sings we're gonna bring it on again that makes me laugh because it's the title of the movie we're gonna bring it on again it's bring it on again it's like a straight to vhs sequel of bring it on and they wrote a song on it and i think that's that's funny it's funny to me it is funny and so here i'll show you jor i have uh a list of movies that they chose. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really weird. So Wings of Desire from 1987. And then you've got All About Eve from 1950. Return to Oz. Jordan, did you grow up watching that? 
terrifying yes it's so scary yeah i grew up watching that horrible movie yeah and it's you think you're getting wizard of oz you're getting you're getting some psychedelic drugged out yeah and that's the thing that gen z will never get children's movies for us were there it's like therapy worthy right. stuff yeah yeah so return to oz don't want don't like it don't want to see it <laughs> hellraiser 3 <laughs> which i will never see and like i remember going to blockbuster and seeing the cover of hellraiser and just wanting it to go away i hated it <laughs> yeah me too <laughs> yeah pinhead get it get out of here yeah cenobites yeah. I don't want you around. You scare me. Yeah. Night of the Living Dead, the classic George Romero, Point Break. I actually, the only movies I've seen so far is Return to Oz, Clash of the Titans, Mad Max. I watched The Thing this year because of this album, and that movie is awesome. Mm-hmm. Have you seen The Thing? No, the, I think of all these movies, I've only seen Return to Oz. Wow. And then She's Gotta Have It, a Spike Lee's debut. There's an Australian movie from 1977 called The Last Wave. There's Bring It On Again from 2004, yeah. which is a straight-to-VHS yeah. sequel. Silence of the Lambs, uh, which we'll talk about this. Actually, kind of Sufjan's possibly most controversial song uh, as of in recent memory, and we'll get into that. And then Lacrime Rerum is a 10-minute short film from 1962, which I watched in its entirety while I was waiting for you, Jor. Huh. <laughs> so those are the movies that I guess they were watching in this log cabin, and uh, that's where the songs come from. Yeah. Huh, interesting. So I've seen Silence of the Lambs, The Thing, and Back to Oz, and that's it, my friends. Yeah. Oh, and the like, Lacrime rerun. Do you? I, uh, this is something so I think Jory, about. Oh, highlights sorry. for you. Oh, sorry. What was that? I was gonna say this is something I think about. Like, Angelo D'Agostino. He's awesome. I really love all his stuff since I've been exposed to it. But I wonder if he was like when Sufjan, or I mean, I don't know how the record came about. But I wonder if like when Sufjan was like, let's make a record together. If he was like, booyah. <laughs> you know. It's like, it would be it would be really great for your career to make a record with Sufjan. Well, I mean, you and I never heard of him until this happened. Yeah. And it did get me to listen to his catalog. So yeah, it's kind of crazy. Totally. So let's just say, Jordan, Sufjan calls you, says, let's collaborate. You'd say yes. Of course. <laughs> like... The, I mean, the, the, I would say yes. The art I'd is be good. like, sure. Can you imagine? I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm hey, in. Hey, uh, hey, uh, Justin, um, I really like your sermons. Would you want to do a, a spoken word collab? <laughs> it's just you hey, crying. Sure. I text you my <laughs> lyrics and you just stop texting me back. Sorry, I haven't. Yeah, I've been really bad communicator lately. Um, yeah, it's just you like crying, like all your crying from your sermons. <laughs> Remixed, yeah. <laughs> uh, because God, yeah, that's true. Loves so the underdog. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus loves 
the outcast. <laughs> uh. Just kidding. Uh, that, that That's me slightly poking fun at Justin because you used to cry a lot in your sermons, right? You told yeah, me. I yeah, I had, there was a very sweet lady in her 70s that was like, you don't have to cry every time. This one. Yeah. Fictional California is great. It's just such a great melody. It is a great melody. Very quickly, my favorite was Back to Oz. But lately, Fictional California and Simmer in Shade have mm. been doing it for me. Mm-hmm. And Lacrimé. The mm. final three songs on the record, are, yeah. I think, are really great. So, Simmer in Shade... Let's talk. Let's talk about that. So this is the song based on Silence of the Lambs. Mm. It was somewhat controversial because uh, they used the word. What is it? it's? Because uh, it's a song about Buffalo Bill, and they used the term "stuck in my aragalophilia" or what is it? Sorry, okay. yeah, autogenophilia. It was a term used, like, in the 60s to basically to say that trans people, it's just a sexual fetish. That's what that word meant. And so a lot of, a lot of Sufjan's fans were just surprised that he used a word that, was, that could be, that basically is hurtful to the trans community because it was used to undermine uh, the trans community. And so Sufjan, of course... Uh, has many fans in the LGBTQ community. And then as well, I was reading this beforehand, Silence of the Lambs is actually uh, quite maligned by the trans community because when it came out, there was very little representation of trans people in movies. And so people's thoughts of trans people was Buffalo Bill, who would cut women's skins off and and wear it. So... uh, so even even the movie itself is problematic these days and then Sufjan and Angelo using that word it kind of made people scratch their heads but you know I'm not here to say what Sufjan or Angelo what they thought or whatever but sometimes you just gotta go bro Sufjan's Gen X (laughs) you know like I watched Licorice Pizza have you seen that no Licorice Pizza has this like kind of tone deaf racist Asian American jokes in it. And you're just like, what the heck? Like, why did, why is that in there? And it's just like, because Paul Thomas Anderson is, is kind of like a Gen X old dude. And I don't know. Sometimes, and sometimes it's just hard to keep up, I guess. But I'm, that may not be Sufyan's reasoning. Um, but certainly that word and, and that, you know, even just the baggage that Silence of the Lambs has, it, it caused some people to be like, what's going on here? Yeah. So the, the Pitchfork <clears throat> review is, uh, it's really good. It was written by Nadine Smith, who is a trans woman. And so she gives her thoughts on it. And, it, and it's just, you know, better than I can represent here. But controversy aside... I just want you to love me. I just wanted to love myself. Those lyrics, I just love. And I love the melody. And yeah, I just think it's a beautiful song. 
And uh, a lot of people have commented on Sufjan's gravitation to sympathize with the serial killers. Yeah, it's true. Maybe wouldn't that be the wildest end to Sufjan's story if he, if it turned out he was actually a serial killer? <laughs> like um, <laughs> like uh, the John Wayne Gacy Jr., he was just like being literal. Yeah. He's like, look beneath my floorboards. Yeah. Everyone it thought was it was like, like this crazy metaphor about like, you know, everyone's darkness. But it's actually literally there are people underneath his floorboards. I would be heartbroken. I would be totally heartbroken. And we'd have to delete this podcast. See, yeah, no, of course we would. But I, I, I'm kind of, I'm surprised actually, because you're, you're in Enneagram 4, right? Yeah. And there's this thing uh, that a lot of fours have where they just love like true crime and like dark, dark killer shit. And, yeah. and I'm one of those, like there's this show called, I think it's called Catching Killers on Netflix or something. Yeah. And I just devoured it. Like I watched the whole, every time they put out new episodes, I just binge the whole thing like right away. And it's and like I about like stuff BTK, like buying torture kill. And Olivia will make jokes. <laughs> she'll be like, you know, like she'll be just like making dinner <laughs> and she'll like listen to what I'm lis- watching and it'll be like, and her legs were cut off and her arms were cut off. <laughs> and her eyes were gouged out. <laughs> yeah, and it's then I'll just be like, "Well, honey, what's for dinner?" And then just you know, or just like be sitting in bed, like watching like something about like some person, like Jeffrey Dahmer eating people's brains, and then I'll be like, "Well, time to sleep." Just close <laughs> my computer and go to bed. You know, I don't know what it is. That's my mainstream wife, Courtney's like that. She can watch the most disgusting true crime and then just sleep like a baby. But if it's fictional and it has scary music, she's just like, I'm done. Yeah. But you're like, she listened to she listened to a CBC podcast. No, or maybe it was global or something. It was true crime in Calgary, in our city, of like people being murdered. Yeah. And I was like, this doesn't upset you? She's like, I don't care. I was like, but if we watched like, like... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She won't be able to sleep. Yeah, about I'm, a made-up guy. I'm the same. I'm the same way. Like, if it's, if it's like, I hate horror, because yeah, do you know what it is? It's just like, like true crime is just like the we, like most people are. Let's be honest, pretty boring, and yeah, while like serial killers are, um, horrible, evil, terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least you can say about them that they're not boring. Their lives aren't boring, <laughs> and. I, I just, there's just something really fascinating about that to me. Just the, the bizarreness of, of, it's like real life villains. I don't know. It's, it's so interesting to me. Like what drives somebody to like drive yeah, I around think that's the city shooting How people? How could somebody do this? Yeah. I hate horror movies, but I got into a few this year. Oh. And none of them really affected me, but I watched Hereditary. Yeah. That movie effed me up yeah Ooh, i ooh. yeah i would never watch it i had trouble sleeping and i got up to go to the bathroom the night i finished it and as i was getting walking out of the bathroom courtney was walking towards me and this is the middle of the night i let out a loud scream just a full ah! mm. and i woke up 
the kids, everything. And I was, and she was like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I just watched Hereditary and I'm scared. <laughs> anyway. Olivia, okay. My, my, my indie wife, she can't, like, she can't watch a second of Breaking Bad. Really? Like, it terrifies her. You know, he's just a high school teacher. I know, but like she, I, I, one time I was like, just come watch it with me. And it was this scene where Walt had just come from like a cook and he, but he was like looking at the ultrasound of his baby. Mm -hmm. And just the fact that he was lying to his wife was just like so disturbing to her <laughs> that she just couldn't watch. She can't watch it. I think it's like, she hates like, um, like untrustworthiness and like deceit. That's what oh. that's what scares her. Cause she's so not like that. Yeah, she's an enneagram yeah, six, but so she's very like loyal. But then we watch like other things that are like super dark. As she just as long as everyone's like straightforward about who they are, she's fine with it. Any other highlights on the record? So, yeah, you know, Simmer and Shade. I just love the. I just it's Buffalo Bill saying, I just wanted to know myself, hmm. which is incredibly sympathetic. Oh, now I know what I want to say. I think Sufjan identifies with serial killers. My theory, and I know hypothesizing isn't always the kindest thing to do when you don't know for sure. Um, but I think probably being, um, being gay and being Christian and probably feeling like he has dark secrets like these serial killers and probably living in shame he i think it's actually tragic and very sad but i think he identifies with these characters that when you look at this song he's so sympathetic almost in saying like buffalo bill was just trying to learn who he was mm. and i think he's not actually talking about buffalo bill i think he's talking about sufyan wow that's deep. So there you go. Yeah, wow. Any other highlights or lowlights on the album? I mean, in all honesty, I think this album doesn't have many lowlights. Pillars of Souls is a little scary for me. Oh, okay. Because that's the Hellraiser 3 song. Right. And I read a synopsis on it, and it's like a Cenobite comes from hell and has to, like, corrupt something. And I'm just like, Sufjan... Don't watch that filth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Reach Out is a great opener. Man, I just, I love this album, Jor. And I know that, you know. And thank you to Sufjan for introducing us to his friend Angelo. Mm -hmm. And congratulations, and, uh, yeah. Angelo, for getting a 20 level up on your career. That you yeah. deserve. Yeah. You won back us older millennials on this one. Yeah. What have you been listening to lately that's not Sufjan? Yeah, good question. So um, I I don't, I'm not that good at finding new music. Mm -hmm. This morning I listened to a lot of Rage Against the Machine because I needed to hear some kind of anti-war anthems. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to Stranger in the Alps a lot. <laughs> Yeah. Which is the Phoebe Bridger song. Yeah. I'm so boring. You love that one. Um, I've also been listening to Semler, mm -hmm. which is a Christian openly gay artist. Mm -hmm. And she's 
touring with uh, Reliant K. Okay. And I just kind of, I just kind of find something really beautiful about this Christian kid that grew up listening to Reliant K and feeling closeted and not accepted in the Christian community. And then as an adult is opening for Reliant K, like I just love the, the, uh, the circle of, of resolution of that. Yeah. And so I've just, I found her music really interesting because she was topping the Christian charts um, but her album has like an explicit rating on it. And anyway, it's just very honest. And hmm. I don't know, when it comes to Christian music, I just kind of appreciate stuff that isn't canned or, or whatever. Yeah, totally. But uh, yeah, because Jor, mm-hmm. if you classified yourself as a Christian artist, don't you think you'd be more famous? Like you'd be higher on a list of charts. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's, I just, I guess I just don't really, there's just so much politics that come with that. Not that there isn't politics on with being kind of a whatever in the, in the secular ether, but I do, you just have to like toe a certain line, you know, like I would feel so, so for example, like right now, the kinds of like, um, compromising decisions I have to make are like. Oh, I, I should have a single that could get played on the CBC. For our American listeners, the CBC is like our um, kind of like our BBC in Canada. It's like our, or our NPR. Yeah, our NPR. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, it, it's it's compromising in a sense. Like I I love all the singles that I've put out, but I'll be like, I'm gonna make this um, song that I know CBC will like. Whereas if you're a Christian artist, you'd have to be like okay, I want to get played on Christian radio. And so I have to hit some like religious themes in this right. song. And it has to be like uplifting and praisey or, you know, like that just makes me feel so icky that I would have. And it would completely change your audience and your venues and everything. Yeah, You'd be like playing at churches instead of, you know? Yeah. And how icky is it like, oh, I decided to be a Christian artist because I get more exposure. Yeah. Like that's so gross. I would never, I mean, and also I just don't think my songs are that religious really are they no some of them some of them maybe like i think like religious people would be able to recognize some themes right there's some biblical themes yeah um what did you grow up listening to reliant k and switchfoot yeah would would there be some kind of like would it be interesting to tour with a band like that like to open for them, like what Semler's doing. Like she's opening for Reliant K. Um, maybe. I don't know. I I just I would just prefer to steer clear. You know, I mean, <laughs> again, not that just like the indie art art world that I, I'm in is mm-hmm. is that like free of politics. But at least I feel like I can kind of be. Uh, uh, I can be kind of hidden away and just present the art. Yeah. And there are no assumptions about who I am necessarily. There, I guess there are a few, but it's, it's in Christian circles, like, uh, yeah, you have to kind of be some, you have to, there's assumptions about who you are. and There's a lot of baggage there. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Well, what do you think the greatest Christian artist of all time is? And Sufjan's off the table. Like CCM. Yeah. Uh, I mean, DC Talk? Do you think they're the greatest? Um, I mean, I, it's subjective. You know, actually, I read a Pitchfork review on Jesus Freak. Have we talked yeah, about that this? came out not that long ago. Yeah. And they were and surprisingly positive about it. I think the only embarrassing thing about Jesus Freak is that the titular track is Smells Like Teen Spirit. It's like such a ripoff. Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah. That's true. I didn't know that, though, when I listened to it. I love that song. Um, no, you know what, actually? <laughs> okay, so uh, I know that there are better Christian artists. I'm trying to think. Like, uh, See, like I actually think the Newsboys have some killer tracks, too. Um, like going the public. The Newsboys were pretty funny, too. They had like a, they almost had like satire. Yeah. They don't serve breakfast in hell. No, see, I, okay. So I got to be like super pretentious here and just be like, their first record that they made before they, this lead singer left and they right. took Was on the, that going public or before going, going That public. was going public. That was the last one before he left. That yeah, record is really, is really good. Rad. It like, I still listen to some of those songs. Like there's this song called LG on it. Yeah. It's so good. Um, yeah. It's like kind of this like 80s Euro pop rock or something. Like, right. Yeah. It's actually pretty cool. But it's, but then when they started getting more kind of like cartoony. Was, yeah. Or um, Audio Adrenaline. Love it. It's a big, big table. Yeah. <laughs> that song's awesome. I don't know if you feel love at all, but I bet you wish you had. Come and go with me to my father's house. Come and go with me to my father's house. It's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. I mean, I'm not being very cool in my answer. I guess, like, what do you, what do you, uh, lots of people would say Phil Keggy or something. Yeah. I, you know who came to mind? And basically, just because of his earnestness, I would say Keith Green is the best Christian artist. Oh, yeah. I found it hard to believe someone like you care for me. You put this love in my heart. I tried but could not refuse. You gave me no time to. He was just so earnest and so passionate. And it was not like, he was not necessarily like imitating anybody. And uh, I think, um, I think Bob Dylan plays harmonica like on one of his songs. Like there's oh, yeah. just some crazy stuff going on with Keith Green. And I just think he's rad. Yeah, I, that vibe kind of reminds me just a little too much. There's just too, it's a little too triggering for me. Just cause it's, it's that kind of like, Pure, I don't know. He just reminds me of that kind of like purity culture, and I don't mean like like sexual purity culture. Just this like hardcore like holy fire culture, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's got new convert energy. Yes. Like I just became a Christian, and it's intense. Yeah. 
And that stuff kind of freaks me out because, yeah, that's I I, I just I, I'm learning that it actually has some some stuff to do with some of my mental illness, and so right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's tough to unpack. Yeah, yeah, but also just like his vibe was just it just yeah, his music is like it doesn't hold up. It's not like it's cool, but I just think he's he's fascinating. Yeah. Amy Grant has some bangers. Amy Grant, yeah. question for you you know baby baby yeah we, we danced that at my wedding okay as it starts to fade out because it just fades out mm-hmm. i think she says damn it you're mine Really, and as a kid, that was really shocking. And yeah. my, me and my sister would listen to it over and over and say, "Does she say, damn it, you're mine?'" I remember being really disturbed that DC Talk had a song called "Sex." Oh my gosh! My mom brought that song up to like my fourth grade teacher and she's like, I'm married so I get to have sex whenever I want. And I remember she said that in front of me and my teacher. Oh, wow. I really did not like that. I remember your mom making a joke about her sex and her belly button or something when I first met her. Yeah. She likes to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to give no other context. (laughs) (laughs) I, my mom used to. I remember my kind of open about sex, but I remember they used to do this thing where she'd be like, Hey kids, look, and she'd stick out her tongue and my dad would stick out his tongue and they would just go and touch their no. tongues together. Yeah. And we'd be Your like, parents- oh, gross. <laughs> okay. I gotta go. Okay. I gotta go. <laughs> Thanks everybody. Thanks for welcoming us back. And we hope to do more of these soon. Yeah. And the, remember the dress looks nice on you. Mwah. Damn it, you're mine.